This last year has been one of the most unique seasons of ministry and one of the most unique seasons of walking with God that I've ever been a part of. It was a season of process. It was a season of pruning. But the question is not what did we lose. The question is what did we learn? Because everyone lost something. And every one of us came here, I believe, with some questions. But the question is not what did we lose, but what did we learn? Isaiah 30 and 20 says it like this. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, that thine eyes or that thine teachers may not be removed into a corner, but that thine eyes shall see thy teachers. What that's literally saying is that when when the Lord allows you to have bread of affliction and water of adversity, it's not to destroy you, but it's that you could see your teachers and become teachable again. Because there is nothing that makes a student out of us more than the storm. So every one of us somewhere in 2019 threw their hands up in the air and said, what's going on? Because there's something about the bread of affliction and the water of adversity that causes us to wonder why. And when we are postured as a student in the midst of the storm, that's when God can whisper, process, preparation. And I feel like God has something very special for us. I believe that you guys are into a new season. I believe that you're transitioning. But here's what I want you to understand. That I believe God has a word for us. And something very significant is going to happen tonight. Not because I am here. But because it's God's timing. It's God's purpose. It's God's plan. He's been going, taking you through the process. Preparing us. So if you have your Bibles, if you would, turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. It's not what we lost. What did we learn? 2 Kings chapter 4, the Bible says, Now. Somebody say, Now. There cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house. And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house. Comma. Pausing for effect. Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house. Save a pot of oil. 
Then he said, Go and borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door. Somebody say, Shut the door. And upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out unto all those vessels. And thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her sons, upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. After she had given seemingly everything that she had to give, she poured out one more time. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then, somebody shout then. She came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil. And pay thy debt. And live. Somebody say live. And live thou and thy children of the rest. I want to talk to you about releasing the rest. Are you ready to experience the rest of the story? Everything that led up to this point, I want to experience the rest of what God has. So we're going to release the rest tonight. Would you, one more time, would you lift your hands and your voices together? And would you ask God to speak a rhema word to you and to us as a corporate body right now? Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for those that have gathered to hear it. But we're asking, oh God, that the living spirit, the living word would preach the written word and allow my tongue to be loosed as an oracle of the Lord to speak, oh God, as apples of gold and pictures of silver with precision to I pray elevate the faith of your people oh God so that we can facilitate through that faith what it is that you desire for us we're believing you God for what you have promised we're thankful for the process and that when it would produce in us and we thank you God and we bind every hindering spirit whether human or demonic and we pray it all in the name of Jesus Jesus. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated if you so desire. Amen. Amen. Israel was in transition. Elisha had now taken up the mantle to carry on the ministry of his predecessor, that great prophet of God, Elijah. But while Israel is in transition, they are adjusting to the fact that ministry is not like it once was. The mantle is the same, but the ministry is altogether different. So while Israel is in transition, Elisha freshly just took up the mantle. But one of the first things that he encounters 
is a bride that has now suffered loss of her husband. But she is in transition as well. And I believe that this bride that has now lost her husband but is now concerned for her future, she is in transition as well, almost as it is a parable for the transition that Israel we find her in. We see that this woman, this bride-to-be, has suffered the loss of her beloved groom but now is concerned for her future and the potential loss that could be. So he comes to her, and the Bible uses transitional phrases like now as opposed to then. Now there cried a certain woman, a bride, obviously, of the wives of the sons of the prophet unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? See, she is so caught up in her loss She goes to the man of God and says, what do I do? I've lost in my past and I fear loss in my future. I'm in between. What do I do here? And what do I do now? And she is so caught up in her loss that when he turns to her and says, what do that, what, what hast thou in the house? She says, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house. She was at first so caught up with what she had lost in 2019 that she did not realize that what she had left in 2020. She was so caught up in the fact that she had been through process and pain that she did not realize what she still had in the present that could unlock her potential. But he, being the man of God, it came to this woman like Israel. Israel was focused on the fact that they had just lost their greatest prophet to date. And they, when Elisha came wearing the mantle, they said, where is Elijah? Can we send out a search party? We want to look for that old ministry, that, that minister. We, we watched him call fire down from heaven. And they wanted, when he took up the mantle, they wanted to send out search parties for what they had lost. And they were missing the fact that they had a vessel of oil left. See, in transition, you can be so caught up in what you lost in your last season that you don't realize what you have left now that can release your next season. In Antioch, it is so easy for us to be in transition here and now and still want to send out search parties for what we lost in our yesterday that we don't realize what we have today that God's going to use to release our tomorrows. So he said, what do you have in your house? And she said, I have nothing in the house. Because she was so caught up in what she'd lost. She didn't even realize that she still had something left. Although it wasn't what 
It was just a little bit, but it was enough. But she says, wait a minute, save a pot of oil. I've got one pot of oil. I've got one vessel being used. I've got one, just one little bit. It's not a lot, but it's what I have left. But it was enough. So then he says, okay, here's what I want you to do now. I want you to go borrow vessels. But wait a minute. The creditor was about to come and take her boys because they were in debt. And now the prophet of God is giving what I would say is bad advice. She's already in debt, and he's telling her to go borrow more. But what he was trying to do was he was telling her, go borrow again. Because with that, uh, this is what God showed me this morning or this afternoon, rather. Because he was sending her into the same situation and was trying to get her to get a different outcome by her approach. Uh, Because they'd already borrowed and ended up in debt. But he's saying, here, borrow again because I'm going to give you a different attitude towards the oil. Because the oil, you have one vessel of oil. And if you have a consumer mentality and that kind of attitude towards the oil you will just consume the oil and it won't last long but if you go borrow empty vessels and you take on a producer mentality and you say you know what i borrowed in the past with a consumer mentality I'm telling you, what God is saying is your attitude towards the oil is going to determine your outcome you can look at Your attitude towards the oil will determine you can go through the same thing you once went through and get a different outcome because your attitude makes the difference. If you come to church and you come to the house and you've got one vessel of oil and if that's all you got and you want to use it for you, you're going to remain in debt and you're going to surrender your future. But I'm telling you, if you can come to the house with an attitude towards the oil, then I'm going to take what I have left and I'm going to give it to the empty I'm going to pour out again because you can be in the house with a consumer mentality and you will and you can remain in your spiritual deficit and remain in a spiritual debt or you can take what little anointing you have left and say, well, I'm going to borrow some vessels. But there, he makes the emphasis, empty vessels. Because consumers want vessels that are full. But producers... They want vessels that are empty. That's why when she poured out, he said, set aside that which is full. Because full is not your focus. Empty becomes the focus. And that's a people that does not just come to church to get out of the service. What they can get out of it. But they give in to the service. What they can give into it. They look for the empty. They look for the undone. They look for the people without. They look for the people that need i'm here to tell you it's time for us to set aside that which is full that's not our focus our focus is the empty oh clap your hands for jesus right now see this is the shift this is a transition 
Because Israel, they used to sit back and watch Elijah prophesy. They watched him pray the prayers. They watched him give the sacrifice. But there was a change when Elisha comes on the scene. Elisha, what was left, needed to be poured into the empty, in the ones that were in spiritual debt. Hear me. Hear me what God is saying to us. He is saying we need to shift our attitudes towards the oil. If our generation, if we don't, we'll lose our next generation. But if we change our attitude towards the oil, then we will release our next generation, our future. Let me show you. Let me show you. He was trying to get Israel or this woman, the bride. To change her focus. Well, I've already borrowed. That's why I'm here. But he said, borrow again, but just change your attitude. Because watch now. Because Acts 28, how many know that Paul, that great apostle, he was on his way to Rome, but he made shipwreck on that island. But can I tell you, the Bible said in the midst of that storm, can you pull that up, Acts 28 and verse 2. The Bible said why they were on that island And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of the present rain and because of the cold. Watch now. They're all going through a storm. They're all prisoners. But Paul, being a prisoner alongside other prisoners, in the midst of that storm, he emerges as a leader. Can I tell you, it's in times of transition, in the midst of storm, in the midst of the cold. It's in those seasons that leaders emerge, that others will fall back behind, but others will press forward and emerge as leaders. But what separates the leaders from the rest of the prisoners? Watch. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened his on his hand. Listen. Paul, the apostle, the leader, was going through the same storm as everybody else. But his response to the storm was different and caused him to emerge as a leader. Why? Because those barbarous people, they kindled a fire. They kindled that fire. Why? Because of the present rain and because of the cold. Your Bible just said that. But while everybody is cold and shivering, they are there taking from the fire. And they are getting what they can out of the fire because they're going through a storm. But Paul, his approach to the fire was not to just feel the flame, but to give fuel and to feed the fire. Can I tell you what's going to cause you to emerge as a leader in these last days in the midst of the storm is not when you're just there trying to get from the fire, trying to take from it, but when you bring something and you add to the fire and you bring some fuel to the fire and you feed the fire. That's why the serpent attacked Paul and nobody else. How many others were gathered around that fire because they were feeling the cold? How many others were gathered around that fire because they were going through the same storm? But as close as everybody was, only Paul got attacked. 
You want to know why the devil will attack those that have that producer mentality that says, I'm not just going to take from the fire, but I want to come to church and I want to add to it. Why? Because the devil knows the Bible just like we do. And he knows the Bible said, where there is no wood, there the fire goes out. He said, if you keep coming to church with a consumer mentality to just get from the fire, to get you through your storm, eventually that fire is going to go out. Eventually reluctance is going to settle in your spirit. Hear me somebody but I've come to turn the tide and say no longer are we just coming to feel the flame because we're going through the storm but God said I need somebody that can bring some fuel to the fire I may be going through the storm but I still can sacrifice I may be going through the storm but I still have something to offer Uh, it's making sense right now Because what I want you to understand, that's why the snake attacked Paul and nobody else. And that's why when you begin to shift your thinking and you begin to change your approach to the house of God and to ministry and to the attitude towards the oil, the devil will attack you and nobody else. Because he knows if you just come to church to hear your favorite song, If you come to church just to hear your favorite preacher, if you come to church just to get from the fire but never give anything to it, the reason why you don't give anything to it is because you don't think you have anything to offer because you've lost in your last season everything you thought you had left. But I've got a word for somebody. You've got more to offer the kingdom of God than you realize. You've got more to add to the table than you realize. But you may not have much, but you have enough to add fuel to the fire. So somebody hear me. That's why the devil attacked Paul and nobody else. Because he's adding to it while everybody else is taken from it. But the same storm that caused others to sit back and just try to make it through caused leaders to emerge. And I feel in this season that God is looking for leaders to emerge in the moment. But think about it. Who wants to be attacked? But there's good news. Because that that serpent came out and bit his hand. But everybody was watching. And he shook off what should have killed him. Why everybody was watching. And now what seemingly was against him became his advantage. What you thought was the adversary was just God giving you the leverage to lead. No, you didn't hear it. God, through that attack, through the storm, God was using what you went through to give you leverage so that you could lead. Because when he shook off what should have killed him, they said back, they stepped back, and the Bible said it changed their minds about him. And I'm telling you, he was able to lay hands on a man in that tribe. The father of the leader of the tribe. Publius, his father, was sick with a bloody flux. And it was that same hand that was attacked one moment. When he shook it off, he laid that same hand on that bloody flux. And God allowed the... 
So let me tell you what the devil does. The devil always attacks the areas that you're going to be gifted and you're going to be used. So instead of just letting the venom take hold, you've got to shake off what should have killed you because the devil was trying to destroy your gift before it ever started. But guess what? If you're still here, the devil's too late. I'm telling you, what you thought was taken from you actually gave to you the leverage needed to be the leader that God called you to be. So shake it off and start laying your hands and use your influence. Allow God to use you. Shake it off. You understand? You guys got this. Let me just say it like this. You're a lot better off than you realize. You're a lot better off than you realize. If they're not here, they weren't going where you were going anyways. So shake it off and say, God's still going to give Antioch revival. There still is a harvest, but he is allowing the leaders to emerge here and now. So now what is happening? As that snake falls from his hand, everybody's watching. It should have killed him because they feared the snake. They were familiar with the snake. But they was unfamiliar with the type of ministry that had just landed on their shore. So God was shifting their fear to faith. In that hand that was once wounded became ministry. I'm telling you, the hurt happened and it was real. But the healing was just as real as the hurt. And So you've got to understand that man Publius, his name means popular. It means a man of influence. I'm telling you, God is about to give you influence through the areas of your affliction that you once cursed because now it's birthed the ministry. But back to the bride. He said, borrow, but don't borrow the same way you borrowed before. It's not borrowing in the sense where you're going to live off of somebody else's sacrifice. It's borrowing, not in the sense where you're going to get so you can have. But it's borrowing with an attitude towards the oil that you're going to get a bunch of empty vessels. And you're going to begin to have borrowing in the sense where you have opportunities for investment. And now you can take what you have left and you could pour it out. And God's going to multiply it. And that sounds pretty good. But then he says, but it all hinges on this one thing. He says... But when you get those vessels, you get in the house, shut the door.
It all hinges, no pun intended, on us shutting the door. Because this is symbolic. He was saying, you've got to shut the door. And this was symbolic of her, the bride, taking responsibility back for her now and her next. She could not, she could not do anything about her past. But she, by shutting the door, was taking responsibility back for her now and her next. And what I'm telling you, we can't do anything about what happened then, but we can do something about what's going to happen now. And he said, you've got to shut the door. Because when it happened to her, she ran to the man of God. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, if anything's going to be done, it's going to be through you. So you've got to take responsibility for your now and your next. And by shutting the door, you're saying, I can't blame my boss. I can't blame my spouse. I can't blame my upbringing. I can't blame the government. Why I'm not having revival and an outpouring. I'm shutting the door because nobody else is responsible for the decisions that I'm going to make in my now and my next. It's not the man of God's job. It's my job. It's the bride that's got to shut the door and take responsibility for your now and your next. I don't care who is responsible for your past, but you are responsible for your right now. We're not blaming politics. We're not blaming government. We're not blaming them or that. We are taking responsibility. He's saying you've got to shut the door. Bump your neighbor say shut the door. If we're going to have revival, there must be a symbolic shutting of the door. Because watch your approach to the man of God. Bring that scripture up. Verses... Verse 1, watch this. This is the reason why he said, shut the door. He said, now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, thy servant, my husband, is dead. Did you catch that? She came with all of her loss and her pain like baggage and said, Thy servant, my husband. And she put the primary responsibility for her situation on the man of God and said, Thy servant, my husband is dead. That's why Elisha's response, What shall I do for you? See, and too many times we take the responsibility of where we are in what we're going through and we put that responsibility into the lap of the man of God and say what are you going to do pastor pray for me preach me out of this but you have to hear me thy servant my husband is dead what are you going to do about it and that's why Elisha said no 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 not what will I do for thee what is in your house he tried to turn the focus on what she had left that yes you've lost but you've got value left what you need is already inside what you need and what I'm saying is when you shut the door, you're saying, listen, revival is not going to come from some outside source, but it's already in the house. But you've got to change your paradigm and understand the responsibility is not up to the man of God, but it's up to the bride. 
that was kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to understand, if there's going to be harvest like it's been prophesied, the people, the bride has to shut the door and says, if it's going to happen, if it is to be, it's up to me to make the decision that I need to do, get the vessels and begin to pour out. Because she uh, shut the door. Shut the door on 2019. Shut the door. I'm not that same little girl that I once was. I'm not that same young man that I once was that made the mistakes that I made. Shutting the door and taking responsibility for your now and your next. It's symbolic. You've got to shut the door because it's also practical. Because you shut the door to protect the oil. By shutting the door, you're not only taking responsibility for your now and your next, but by shutting the door, you are protecting what God is about to pour out. It's preparatory. And you believing that God's about to pour out, you're shutting the door. I'm not going to let yesterday affect my today and tomorrow. I'm not going to allow 2009 to creep into my 2020. I'm shutting the door. And I'm not going to let outside things influence what God's doing in the house. I'll help you to make sense of it. I'll help you to make sense of it. Luke chapter 8 and verse 23. Disciples, once again, in transition. Jesus gets them into the boat and says, let's go to the other side. They are in transition. He is trying to teach them something. And trying to take them somewhere. And why they are sailing in transition, the Bible says. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water. And were in jeopardy. Did you read that? No, go back up. Did you read that? It says, but as they were transitioning... He, Jesus, fell asleep. Jesus is seemingly unconscious of what they are going through. And sometimes when you're in the midst of it, it feels like he don't have a clue what you're going through. Do you even know? But then a storm wind came down on the lake and they were filled with water. It does not say that the boat was filled with water. It says they were filled with water because there's sometimes in transition when you begin to go through things that you can easily begin to internalize the waves that you are facing and you can begin to take the storms personal. And when you take the storms personal and you internalize the waves that you're facing, it puts everything in jeopardy. You can have all the prophecies in the world about the other side, but when when you're going through the midst of it and you're facing the wind and the waves, you can begin to internalize the things that you are facing and take the storm personal. But that's why that old prophet said, shut the door so what's going on around you doesn't get on the inside of you and compromise where I'm taking you and what I'm teaching you. It's when you internalize those waves that you put everything in jeopardy. You can have prophecies and promises of the other side, but never get there because you drown in a boat that won't sink. No, you didn't hear. Uh, the vessel. 
Just like he brought you into the church, he invited them into the boat. That boat's not going down, but they are still feeling like they are drowning. You can know that the church is never going to fail because the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. Oh, we know it, and we're, so we're, we're holding on to that. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, but still, you feel like you're drowning because you're surrounded by people that love you and care, but you still begin to take those storm, that storm personal. Like God doesn't even know. But that's the devil's goal. He wants you to internalize the waves. He wants you to take things personal. You want to know why? Because he's scared to death of you. Because there was another storm. But this time Jesus said, no, you boys just get in the boat. I'm going to go pray in the mountain." And he'd seemingly distanced himself from his disciples for a season so that they could see him in a way that they'd never seen him. Can I tell you that Jesus in this last season kind of just stepped back a little bit, distanced himself seemingly. I know you had great moves of God. You had great words, prophecy. You had all of it. I understand. But that's for the boat. But sometimes the individual disciple just feels like God kind of steps back from you and keeps a distance. But he's watching every move that you are making and everything you're going through. But watch what happens. He waits till the fourth watch of the night. That's when the night is darkest, right before dawn. And that's when the waves are at their crest and their peak. Then Jesus says, now is my time to shine. And watch what he does. (laughs) And he walks up to their boat. Guess what kind of picture he's trying to paint? Watch this. It was at the waves were at their highest. The night was at the darkest. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. He's saying, I've seen everything that you're going through and everything you've had to face, but I wanted to make the point. It doesn't matter how high the waves and how dark the night, it's still under my feet. I'm telling you, the Bible said the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool making the point. It doesn't matter what you go through down here. It's still under his feet. And I'm telling you, some had the disease. Some had doctor stuff going. But Jesus comes walking. Oh, what happened to William? I'm going to show you. It may seemingly out of your control, but it's under my feet. Here comes Jesus into 2020 trying to show somebody you may be going through it, but I have it under my feet. Those waves may seem big to you, but they're still under his feet. Ah, ah. Now watch. An old loudmouth Peter. Leave it to Peter. Jesus, if it's really you, let me do that. And Jesus says, Peter, wait until everything dies down. 
Wait till the sun comes up so you can see clearer. Wait till the storm blows over. No, he said one word to Peter. He said, come. Because the point was, whatever's under my feet can be under yours. That's a picture of authority. But the devil knows you can't walk on waves that you've internalized. You cannot walk on water that you've taken personal. So hear me. He wants you to have authority over everything that's down here. But if you get offended at God because you don't understand your season, you will internalize the waves that God wants you to walk on. So walk on. Walk on. And in spite of it, walk up. Don't wait for ideal conditions to express your faith or you will fail to see the authority of God operating in your life. I had stuff going on this last year. I had stuff going on that it would have been easy for me to just be comfortable in the boat. But Jesus wanted me to walk on the water. It would have been easy not to give. It would have been easy not to reach out and pray for them. But I just heard, come. But that's why you have to shut the door and say, no, I'm not going to let outside Sources affect and compromise what God's doing in this house. There will be an outpouring, but I have to protect the outpouring by not allowing the waves to become internal and take the storms personal and get offended at God. I'm telling you, I've seen that spirit of offense so much this last year because people didn't understand their season. But I'm telling you, that God is about to take what's underneath his feet and has always been and put it under yours. And you are going to walk in places that you have never walked and you are going to do things that you've never done. Those that thought, there, well, I'm not a teacher. I don't know the Bible well enough. You're going to open those pages and begin to express these holy truths to people you never thought would want what you have. But you, with that holy boldness and authority, here, I, what I felt in the Holy Ghost is God is wanting to restore a spiritual buoyancy back to Antioch. But how you do that is you have to refuse to stake the storms personal. That I will not take these storms as an attack by God towards me. I'm refusing that thought process. He's trying to teach me something. He's trying to take me somewhere. So I will not be offended. I will not internalize the waves, but I will put them under my feet. believe that Uh, come on just a moment let's take just a moment and receive this there's revelation right now I want to pause and I want you to right now I want you to shut that door and say I refuse to take the storms personal I refuse to be offended at God I refuse to internalize the waves right now I need my spiritual buoyancy back and when you have that spiritual buoyancy back you're going to allow the storm to lift you instead of drown you 
You're going to allow those same waves that were drowning you one season. They're about to deliver you into your next. Come on, just speak it. Say, I receive it right now. Are you ready? We're going to go just a little bit further. We're going to go just a little bit further because you've got to shut the door. But when she shuts the door, that's when the pouring, outpouring begins. Because there's a concept that I learned it from one of your own. Pastor Brian Jones in Ann Arbor. Where are you, Brother Mike? You, where are you? Brian Jones got me hooked up with him. I've been preaching revival for him ever since. He sat me down one day and he said, Ryan, he said, there's a concept in the Navy that when they are constructing the vessels that they will use for war, he said, they build the ships with a concept called watertight integrity. And the concept of watertight integrity is simply this. They build those boats so that they can go through battle. That in every compartment that there is a door. That when you walk through one compartment into the next compartment. The watertight integrity comes in place that when you walk into a new compartment, you have to turn around and seal that door, shut that door before you open the door into the next compartment. Because if you don't turn around and shut the doors behind you, if you get struck in that compartment back there, what happened back there can flood right here and can eventually affect right there. So what you have to do is you've got to shut the doors behind you before God can open the the doors ahead of you because God will not allow your past to compromise your present and ultimately sacrifice your future. So hear me. God would rather. Here's where we are. We're in that in-between place where God is refusing to open the doors ahead of you because we've not yet shut the doors behind us because God is not going to allow what happened back then to affect what's going to happen now or what's going to happen next so bump your neighbor say shut the door and that's why listen to me it feels like you've got all these prophecies and you're on your way to the other side but seemingly that door just will not open you can see the door you've knocked at the door you've tried the doorknob you've done everything you can see the light coming on here creeping under but hear me I feel like God has us in a divine pause saying before I open that door it's your responsibility to shut that one That's why when she shut the door, the outpouring began. But not a moment sooner. Why? Because that oil is too precious. It's too valuable of a commodity. 
that oil would bring light to every house. That oil would bring light to a nation. That oil had so much to offer. It had so much potential to bring light to those that sit in darkness. But God will keep that door. He'll keep that door shut until you shut the doors behind you because he will not He will not compromise what he's about to pour out. But he will be patient for that moment until you are ready to say, you know what? I'm not going to allow what they did. I'm not going to allow what they said. I'm not going to allow who I used to be and the guilt that I carry from where I've come from. I'm not going to, I'm, not, I'm going to shut that door tonight. And they experienced the outpouring. But then, when every vessel was full, she ran back to the man of God for further instruction. And he says, all right, here's what you do with that oil. That precious commodity that I'm about to pour out. He said, here's what you do. He said, you go sell that oil. In other words, you've got to get all the value out of it that you can. Sell the oil, but then he tells you to do two things. He says, pay the debt. Resolve the unresolved issues in your past. And then live on the rest. But technically, you cannot live on the rest until you've paid the debt. So we want the rest. We want to live that life that God has promised. We want to exp- We want to live on the rest. But technically we cannot live on the rest until we've resolved the unresolved issues in our past. See, I didn't understand this. Nathan... Nathaniel, excuse me. Would you go up on that piano and play something very pretty? Okay. Very. Something special. But what I want you to understand is, until you resolve the issues behind you and you shut that door so you don't carry the doubt with you, the fear with you, the guilt with you, the shame with you. If you don't shut that door, God will refuse. But then, I didn't understand this, church. I didn't understand this. And the, the, then the Lord asked me. He said, how many doors were there on the ark? One. So that got me thinking. If there's only one door... That concept of shutting the door behind you before God opens the door, it kind of, it's a faulty thought process because there's only one door. So in other words, until you shut that one door as an exit from the old world, until you finalize that season but when you do shut the door as an exit from that season you empower God to open that same said 
door to your new season. So we've been knocking. And I still, I still didn't get it. Until we had a revival. I, I can't even tell you where we were. It, you no, know, it was in Minnesota. It was in Shoreview, actually. Where's Samantha? Shoreview, Minnesota. We preached a revival and I preached my guts out. I poured out everything that I had to offer. And after that, I went back to my hotel room. And I was exhausted. I got into my hotel room, got into my pajamas, and I laid down. And have you ever been so exhausted, but you couldn't rest? That's where I was. I'd given everything, seemingly, that I had to give. I was exhausted, and I could not rest. And the Lord spoke to me and said, get up and shut the door. But if you've ever stayed in a hotel, you know that those doors, they close automatically. And I said, no, God. I watched it close. And he said, get up and shut the door. And I laid there tossing and turning for three hours. With fear and anxiety, I woke up, I dozed off, woke up at 3 o'clock, and he said it one more time, get up and shut the door. Fear came. Anxiety came. I got out of bed, and I said, all right, God. I finally got out of bed and said, all right. And I walked over to that door, and I walked over to it, and I did this. I went, I just touched it, and it went, click. Because the door was closed, but it wasn't shut. I feel like many of us thought we've dealt with it. Many of us have seemingly watched the door closed, but we didn't make sure it was shut. And God is wanting to do one last touch so that we can hear that spiritual click that we know for sure. And I turned around after that click, and I walked and I laid down, and I had rest. Are you ready? This isn't going to be some big emotional outburst. This is just going to be somebody declaring, Lord, I need you to touch me one more time. I need you to touch me one more time. I need to make sure everything that happened in my past stays there. I need to make sure every word that was spoken out of an ill spirit, I want to make sure, I want to make sure that it is sealed in that past compartment, that it doesn't compromise the potential and the promises that you've given me. Somebody lift your hands right where you're seated and say, God, just touch me one more time. Lord, let that door be shut. Come on now, if you feel to make that declaration with your feet, I want you to stand up out of your seat and I want you to march to this front and say, we're going to settle this last season and we're going to shut the door.
make that declaration. I'm not who I used to be. Through this last season, God has matured me. God has showed me some things. I'm not the same. Come on, let the leaders emerge. Let the leaders emerge out of the storm. Let the emerge, the leaders emerge out of this last season. Come on, you've got to protect the anointing. You've got to protect the calling. I'm not called to be a consumer. I'm I'm called to be a producer. the same little girl you were when they did what they did you've got to shut that door shut that door I refuse to take it personal I refuse to internalize the way they didn't leave me because of me they didn't walk away because something I did somebody it's time to live pay the debt settle it and live pay the debt and live I'm speaking life I'm speaking life back into your body live on the rest I'm speaking life back into your marriage live I'm speaking life back into your ministry. Live. Live. you settling the issue and shutting the door you are enabling God right now there's only one door and if you shut it God can open that new door to that new season the same door that shut as an exit to the old world eventually becomes the entrance into a new
Come on, use your voice. Articulate your faith right now and say, God, I'm shutting that door. I'm not taking guilt with me. I'm not taking shame and doubt with me. I shut the door. Now begin to articulate your faith by just saying, Lord, I refuse to internalize the waves. Father, if there is anything in me through this last season that I've internalized, if there's anything that I've took offense with, Lord Jesus, I refuse to be offended. Come on, just pray these simple prayers. God, I refuse to be offended. I didn't understand the season. I didn't know why it had to hurt like it did. I didn't know why I had to struggle and watch what I had to see. I don't, I, I don't know why, God, and I don't know where you were, but I knew you were watching. So I refuse. I refuse to eternalize the waves. Come on, just take some time around this altar. I don't know who this is for, but I seen it in the spirit. It was like a door with a question mark on it. There are unanswered questions that some of you have. But I want you right now to just shut that door to that question. Understanding that God, no matter what happens, it's under his feet. And I'm telling you, God is going to open the door to the answer of that said question. So, so, so God, I don't understand I don't understand what, what you want me to do. I don't understand where you want me to be or what you what you have for me, God. But I, I know that you have something for me. And I'm believing that God is going to bring clarity. I'm believing that God is going to put an exclamation point on the problem that I have. And what was once a question, let it become an answer right now if I give it to you, Father. Some of you have been questioning your calling. Some of you have been questioning your ministry. But I'm here to tell you God is about to bring clarity and make a more efficient ministry in your world. He's given you the leverage through what you've been through this last season. So don't be offended by it. Embrace it. Embrace it. And worship in the midst of it. Right now, lift those hands and begin to worship. Putting all these things under your feet. And the higher the way. The higher you go, the greater the waves, the higher you climb. So embrace it. Embrace it. I refuse to let my situation, my circumstance to compromise my potential. Hita robosata. 
Lord Jesus, we're putting it under our feet right now, Lord Jesus. I see a spiritual stature that is far beyond what it was when I last saw you. I see a spiritual stature that has grown because the waves that you thought would drown you have lifted you to places of maturity that you would have never obtained otherwise. Now walk. Now walk in that stature. Elders, I feel it coming into this room like that spiritual buoyancy. What felt like was going to drown us. That watertight integrity is going to keep us. But now everything Father, we put it under our feet. What does that look like? I was in a service, and I had shared this story with you before. I was in a service, and there was a lady that they brought up to the front. She was crippled. Her hands were down like this. She was infirm. Her hands were downward. Her feet drugged the floor as they carried her to the front. She was infirm. And the Lord spoke to me when she got up there. This is a spirit of infirmity. And to be honest with you, it terrified me. Because I'd never seen somebody in that. I didn't know what to do. My faith at the moment was literally crippled. Because I'd never been faced with something like that. So I didn't know what to do. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, it's a spirit of infirmity had literally crippled her body. It was something in the spirit that was manifesting in the flesh. But I didn't know what to do. When the Lord said it's a spirit of infirmity, although I was scared to death, didn't know what to do, I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command that spirit of infirmity to be under my feet. And I literally watched as that spirit of infirmity that had crippled her limbs and also her mind 
I watched it lift. I literally watched it lift because she would look down and her hands like that. But all of a sudden, her it lifted that spirit and her eyes kind of came alive and all of a sudden she's animated and her eyes come to life and her hands turn up like this and she begins to reach out and then her feet shot out underneath her and she caught her own weight and then she began to run around that sanctuary and God did an absolute miracle for her but what you need to do you are faced with situations you don't know what direction that you're going to head because there is confusion there's lying spirits that are lying to you, trying to make you feel guilty, trying to make you're not doing enough, but it's not about doing more. It's about doing the things that God is asking you. It's not about doing everything. It's about doing the thing that God has called you to do. So what you need to do, Father, I take that spirit of offense and I put it under my feet. I take that spirit of a lie and I put it under my feet right now. All that confusion, I refuse to remain in the fog that spiritual fog I commanded under my feet right now and somebody when you begin to walk instead of what drowned you in the last season it's going to lift you into your next come on somebody pray it right now Father, I take that spirit right now that has come against this church and tried to lie to them that they're doing something wrong or they're, they're, they're messed up somehow, God. I bind every lying tongue. Take that situation. I put it under my feet. Somebody, you've been wrestling with chest things, something in your chest. Maybe it's your esophagus. I don't know what it is, but I see it like a red spot on your chest, and you're wondering what it is, and you don't yet have the answers, or maybe you do, but you know that there's something wrong. I want you right now. I take authority over that pain right now, and I put it under my feet in the name of my Jesus, in the name of Jesus, because that pain does not belong in my chest, but it belongs under my feet now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, there's miracles happening right now. Why? Because God is about to open that door that is before us. Because you've empowered Him. You literally empowered God when you shut that door to open the door so that you can walk into that new multiplication place. Come on, you know somebody going through something right now. I want you to walk over to them. And I want you to take authority in the name of Jesus. And I want you to command it. Put it under your feet in the name. you know somebody's needing to make decisions but they don't know what decisions to make yet I want you to go pray for them and I want you to command clarity and put confusion under your feet now <laughs> 